passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching people with Jesus. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxis. While they're going, I um, just want to introduce myself. There's a number of new people here. Maybe you're just like a Winter Games group here. It's great to have you guys. Yeah, he's like, yeah, we're Winter Games all the way. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm Kurt. I'm one of the pastors, so it's good to have you. In this time of year, when everyone is trying to focus on physical fitness, or at least those of us who ate too many Christmas cookies are focusing on physical fitness, Pastor Jordan from the Spencer campus and I, we thought about it would be a good time for us to focus on spiritual fitness and spiritual health. Like, and ask simply the question, what does it mean to be a healthy Christian? What does it mean to live a healthy Christian life? And as we studied that, looked at the scriptures, and we tried to put things together, um, we sort of decided we'd build this series around six W's. Six words that all begin with W that talk about six qualities of a healthy Christian life. And our hope is that you wouldn't just like hear them and forget them, but you would hear these qualities and remember them and use them for sort of a self-check. Like, how am I in my relationship with Jesus Christ? This will sort of reveal that to you. Um, and because repetition, by the way, is the mother of all learning, it's good for us at the beginning of this series to simply read through these six qualities and what they, what they mean. So we're going to do that. We've done that for the last two weeks in this series. And here's what they are. Uh, the first thing about a healthy Christian life is this. It's word. A healthy Christian knows God through the applied word of God under the direction and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, by the way, I need to pause and just let those of you who are new. But we have sermon notes. And I know a number of you are like, oh, sermon notes, old hat. Some of you are like, sermon notes, what's that? Um, so go ahead and grab your notes. Everything we're going to talk about today is in the notes. And you'll get more when you actually follow along and use the notes. So just want to encourage you for that. So the word is the foundation of a healthy Christian life. The Bible says God's word is living. It is active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. God's words are different than what you're going to read on Time magazine. It's different than what you're going to read on a blog on the internet. God's words are, folks, alive. The Bible says that we are born again by the word of truth. When we, we encounter the word of God, he uses God's words to create spiritual life in us. He says, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, God's words don't just create spiritual life. That's how God creates us, life in us, so we're born again. But it sustains our spiritual life. And that we need to constantly have God's word throwing through, flowing through our veins and our life. And when we covered this first point, word, I challenged you, if you were not on a regular Bible reading plan, to get on a regular Bible reading plan. And I know a number of you connected with me and said, hey, I made a decision. I'm going to be reading through the New Testament this year. Or I'm going to be reading through part of the Old Testament this year. Keep it up. Great work. That's exactly what God wants us to do. The second W is this, worship. A healthy Christian manifests a lifestyle of worship and prayer based on close daily communion with God. This is the point we looked at last week. We looked at prayer. <laughs> prayer for the Christian life is like breathing, remember, for human life. You breathe all the time, right? Anybody choose to stop breathing recently? Didn't go too well, did it? No, it didn't. We have to breathe for human life, but we have to constantly in prayer, be in prayer, the Bible says, for a healthy spiritual life. We're to pray you know, like privately in our hearts as we're going through difficult times. We're to pray publicly with, with our church family. We're to pray about things that are problems that we're facing, and we're to pray about things we're thankful for where God has been good to us. We're to pray about all things at all times to have a healthy Christian life. That's what a healthy Christian does. But last week we also looked at worship. And we learned that worship is not just something that happens uh, in church on Sunday, as if it can be compartmentalized to an hour and 15 time minute slot. No, Christian worship is all of our life. All of our life should be given in honor and worship to Jesus Christ in everything we do. And remember the key phrase last week we talked about? 
It was this, our God is the best, so we give him the best. God is pleased not by second-rate worship, but when we give him our absolute best in worship, because that's what our God deserves. That brings us to our, the next W, which is the one we're going to look at this morning, which is warmth. A healthy Christian engages in a meaningful life-on-life relationships that reflect the love of God and leave people impacted and changed. In the future, we'll look at witness. A healthy Christian lives under the commission of Christ to win and grow disciples, integrating outreach into all aspects of life. We'll look at works. A healthy Christian builds up the body of Christ through their spiritual gifts and passions. And we'll look at wisdom. A healthy Christian manages their skills, money, and time, putting them all under the lordship of Christ. Now this week, we're going to focus on the topic of warmth. And I thought, what a perfect topic to look at when it's negative seven degrees in January. Warmth. Now, I'm not going to be talking this morning about the kind of warmth that comes from a fire. I'm going to be talking about relational warmth. The kind of warmth that comes when you're with people that actually genuinely love you and genuinely care about you. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, before our Spencer campus moved into its new facility, they were in an, an old church, and that church, the heat went out on. And when the heat went out on, it was really cold. And it was interesting talking to Pastor Jordan what it was like. People were sitting in the pews, and they were dressed in winter jackets. They were wearing mittens. They had their hats on. It looked like they were outside, but they were inside. It was that cold. And I thought to myself, you know, what kind of church would I rather be in? A church that is physically cold, but relationally warm? Or a church that is physically warm, but the people are relationally cold, and they really don't care about you? Well, I know which kind of church I'd rather be in. What about you? I think relational warmth between the people of Christ is far more important than physical warmth. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. In fact, relational warmth in the church, how people care for one another and they love one another, it's evidence of Christian life. It's, it's evidence of a healthy Christian life. We see this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life. How? Because we love the brothers. We love each other. That's evidence that Jesus has changed us. Now, far too many people today say, I love Jesus, but I'm really not too interested in the church. Because the church has like irritable people in it. The church has sinful people in it. The church has people I don't really want to spend time with. They're different than me. They're not my age. They have different styles. I'm not too sure I like the church. Well, if that's what your thoughts are, I'd like to give you this thought. You know, the reason you have a relationship with Jesus and the reason you're saved is because Jesus died for you because Jesus loves you. But he also died for every single other person in your church. And he also loves them. Christ is indwelling you. And Christ is also living in them. And guess what? You don't just get to enjoy them in this life, but you get to enjoy them for all eternity. Uh, Maybe your response is, okay, I get it, Kurt. Now you're telling me, I guess I have to love the church. I have to love... Other people in the church, well, if you say so, I'll do that. Sort of like forcing me to eat Brussels sprouts. You know, it's the right thing to do, but it's not something I really want to do. I'll try and love those church people. If that's your response, I'd like to check you a little bit. Because as Christians, love for our brothers and sisters should not be something that is forced on us. It should be something that naturally flows out of us. When we are in a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says the evidence that we've been born again is we start loving our brothers and sisters. Not because we have to, but there's a natural desire in us where we want to. 
Even if the people in our church are different than us, they have different styles than us, they're different ages than us, because they are our brothers and sisters in Jesus, we will love them because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and dwells in them and draws us together. It's a natural thing. It should not be a forced upon thing. Uh, when I was in high school, or actually it was actually when I was in college, I was a single guy. No big deal. And my parents were sort of wondering, like, he doesn't seem to be interested in girls. Now, I actually was quite interested in girls, but those girls were at college, and my parents were at home. And, you know, guys don't talk to their parents too much about the girls they're interested in. So one time I came home from college, and my mom thought she'd try and sort of set me up uh, they had some friends, my parents did, that had a daughter who was my age. I come home from college, and there is a picture of this girl, like this big wooden frame sitting on my dresser, you know, like this. And I'm like, Mom, what do you think you are doing? She's like, well, she's a really cute girl. I'm like, no, not at all. I am not attracted to that woman in the least. Do not ever start sticking pictures of girls on my dresser. It's my dresser, not yours. I mean, we, we talked about that. You could not force me to be attracted to that woman. It just wasn't in there, in the heart. But then I met Cindy, and something was very different. Like, I naturally decided to want to put pictures up with her. Put a picture in my, in my dorm room above my desk. I had one on the dashboard of my car. Nobody forced me to do it. I wanted to do it because of the change in my heart, because I had found somebody that I loved and I was attracted to, and I wanted to be with her. Nobody had to force me to go spend time with her because I naturally wanted to spend time with her. See, it's the same thing with the church. If you have to be forced to try and spend time with your brothers and sisters in Christ, something's wrong. It should not be something where somebody has to twist your arm to be here. When you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will draw you here. And the Holy Spirit will give you a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ just naturally. And what happens is when that takes place, that makes the church of which you and I are a part of an incredibly warm place in a very cold world. Because people come into the church and they say, how do they love one another? They're different in ages. They're different in styles. They're different in preferences. But look how they love each other. And now that I've come in, they even love me. I can't find that any place else on earth. And what it is, in a cold world, it's like a warm fire. And what happens with people on a cold day when there's a warm fire outside? Where do they all go? They're drawn to it. That's what the church is to be like in this world. Warm relationships drawing people in from a cold world. This morning, I'm going to look at why we should love the church and uh, why the church, how to make the church relationally warm. And I put it under three headings, and here they are. Number one, we're going to look at how Christians are built for others in the local church. And yes, I'm stealing that from Josh Beloit for all you football players. Built for others, right there. We are built for others in the local church. Secondly, We'll look at why we should love the church. Yes, the local church, we should love it. And I'll show you why. Thirdly, then I'm just going to come out and say, you know, why should I become a member of Crosswinds? And I'm going to push you. Why aren't you a member of Crosswinds if you regularly attend Crosswinds? After all the details of what we looked at, it just makes logical sense. So let's dive in, and I hope you have your, your outlines. How are Christians built for others in the local church? Number one, we are not saved individually, but into the body of Christ. In the church, we often hear people say to one another, uh, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's a good question. It's a good evangelistic question. It's a very healthy question. But sometimes that question can miscommunicate some things, as if all that matters is that you and Jesus have a personal relationship with one another. 
well, yes, that is the foundation of everything, that we are in a right relationship with Jesus. But we're not just saved into this isolated relationship with Jesus. When we are saved, we are grafted into the body of Christ. We are connected into one another with Jesus Christ as the head. So when we become a Christian, we're saved into a body. We're also saved into the church. We're saved into relationships with one another. Not isolated, not individual, all alone by ourself. Now, Paul often talks about uh, the church being like a body. And the body has pieces that play different roles, but those pieces must be connected to one another, or they're not healthy, or they're not functional. Some people are hands, but the hands have to be connected to the arms. Some people are arms, but the arms have to be connected to the body. Some people are eyes, but trust me, they work a lot better when they're actually in the head. You have to be connected to one another to function in a healthy, strong way. And that's what it's like as Christians. We are saved into a body. We're saved into a church. And for us to be healthy, for us to be strong, for us to be what Christ wants us to be, we need to be in the church, connected to one another, not apart from the church, just connected to Christ. Maybe a way to look at it is this way. If you ever made a campfire, you Boy Scout kind of folks, you make a campfire, but the way to keep the coals warm is to keep them all together. Because when they're together, they burn hot. But if you pull the coals apart and keep them away from one another, what happens? They get cold. This is a way to picture the Christian life. If Christians are kept in isolation apart from one another, they often grow cold. But when you put Christians together in the church, because they're connected and designed to be together, we're built for one another, then we start to get hot. Then we start to get warm in our faith. And we start to glow in our faith. And we're more productive in our faith when we're connected to one another because we are designed to, we are built to be together. Now, sometimes we miss this. And it's even in Scripture the very important parts of this in Scripture. And one of the reasons we miss this is because of the English language. How many of you have studied a foreign language? And I know you guys have. A couple people here? Okay. So those of you who have studied a foreign language know that you could be singular or you can be plural, correct? In English, the way you singular and you plural is the same. It's just the word you. In other languages, you singular and you plural are actually different words. So you know if you're talking a plural you or a singular you. So when we sometimes read verses in Scripture, we, we read the word you and we think it's talking singular. But in the original Greek or Hebrew, it's actually talking plural. And this is important to know. I'll show you an example. And by the way, Kathy Norris helped me do between services, trying to give me a proper southern accent so I could say, y'all. So that's you plural. I have to go down south to get it. Do you, no, excuse me, do y'all not know that y'all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in y'all? What is it saying? That you when you guys assemble, this is God's temple. God's spirit dwells amongst his assembled people in a unique and special way that God's spirit doesn't dwell when it's just you and Jesus. There's a special presence of God when the church assembles and brothers and sisters in Christ are together as the body. Ephesians, same thing. In him, y'all also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The dwelling place for God is not a physical building. It's the assembly of his people together where God's Spirit dwells among us in a very special and unique way. A few years ago, actually it was before I came to Crosswinds, 
I was studying during the week and a lady stopped by the church. I knew her. She's a good lady. She was going through some really hard times in her life and she said, can I just come into the sanctuary? I just need to pray. I need to pray in God's house. I feel like God is here. I need to talk to him. And of course I said, you're fine. Come on in and spend as much time as you want alone in prayer. But to be honest, God's spirit doesn't dwell in the building. You really want to experience God's spirit? Come on Sunday when God's people are here. Because God dwells amongst his assembled people in a special way. Because we are built for one another. We're designed to stay connected to one another. Remember, we're not saved just into an isolated individual relationship with Jesus. We're saved into a body. And this brings us to our second point. God gifted us to serve others in our local church. When we trust in Jesus, he forgives our sin and he completely makes us right with God. But you also must know that the moment you trusted in Jesus, that God gave you a supernatural spiritual gift. He gave you at least one gift, and that gift enables you to serve in the body, to serve other people in ways that they need to be helped. Well, For instance, let's think of it this way. Let's go back to the body analogy. Some people are gifted to be a hand. Hands are a pretty good gift. The hands grasp things. But the thing is that hands can't do anything unless they're connected to arms. And by the way, the hand can't eat. It needs to be part of a body that has a mouth. The hand can't see. It needs to be part of a body that has eyes. The hand can't take itself different places. It needs to be part of a body that has feet. So while the hand does serve the body, it needs to be connected to the body. That's what we are. Folks, we are gifted, supernaturally gifted by God with at least one spiritual gift that enables us to serve others in Christ's church. Yes, our local church, Crosswinds. But for us to be able to use that, we have to be connected to others where God <laughs> enables us to be served by others. Let me just look at a little passage from 1 Corinthians 12 that talks a little bit about the body. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, would that not make it any less a part of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, Oh, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. The whole body were an eye, were an eye. Where would the sense of be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. Now let me just pull apart some points from this text and some other just uh, surrounding text. Number one. If I don't use my gifts, the entire body, that is the church, suffers. Imagine that you're gifted to be an eye, but an eye is not part of the body. Does the entire body suffer when you can't see? Imagine you're gifted to be a hand, but you've chosen not to be part of your church body or to use your gifts in the church body. Imagine what it's like not to have a hand. The entire body will suffer. Folks, Every single one of you here who has trusted in Jesus Christ has been supernaturally gifted by God and you're needed in this church body. You're needed to use your gifts for this church to be able to achieve its potential. And when people are Christians that are not connecting to the body, that are not using their gifts in the body, the body is handicapped. The body doesn't reach its potential Everyone suffers. That's just the logical extent of what Paul is saying. Next point. I don't choose my gifts. God chose the gifts he wants for me. Some of you say, well, I want a, a different gift. I want a different thing. No, God gives you the gifts he wants you to have. I say, well, how do I even know what gift he's given me? It's real simple. Just get involved. 
when you get involved serving in your local church in some way, God has this unique thing he does. He sort of steers you. He just sort of moves you into the place which has your best fit. You may try something. Oh, this doesn't work, but let's try this. Oh, this does work. And he just steers you so you can express and use your gifts to bless and benefit others. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every single one of us, if we're a Christian, has a manifestation of God's Spirit in our life that is for the common good of the body. Now, some of you may say, well, what are spiritual gifts even? And I don't even know what they are. I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list. That's a longer study, but I'll just give you a small representative list from Scripture. The Bible says some of the gifts that God gives are teaching, wisdom, knowledge, mercy, the gift of administration, the gift of giving, and the gift of encouragement. Next point. God gifted me to serve others in the church, not myself. Notice that all those things, they're gifts that God gives us for others, not for me. Like the gift of teaching. Say you have that gift. It really doesn't do much good to go stand in your home and stand in front of the mirror and teach yourself. How is that doing any good? Or maybe you have the gift of encouragement. So you sit in the kitchen and just encourage yourself. That doesn't make any sense. All of the gifts that God gifts gives us are for us to serve other people. And by the way, we need to be served by those gifts. This is why I love the church. This is why I'm a pastor and why I love pastoring in the church because I love seeing people use their gifts to serve other people and I need that. Let me just be real transparent. Sometimes, especially in January, where it's cold, where days are short, where things are cold, I can get a little bit of that seasonal depression going on. Anybody else get that? Uh, Okay, just a few of us, right. And then, you know, as a pastor, you preach and you teach. I don't know if you've ever preached or taught two services, but by Sunday afternoon, I am an emotional basket case. Like, I'm fine now, but the emotional adrenaline letdown, I just, I'll tank. But here's what I love. In the church, there are people with the gift of encouragement. And it makes all the difference. Because sometimes after church on Sunday, some of you will come up and say, thank you for that sermon. I really needed to hear that. That helped me with something I was going through this week. Others of you will contact me during the week and say, I just want to encourage you. Thank you for preaching and teaching the Word of God. That means a difference. Some of you actually have sent me notes written note from home. I just wanted to write a note to encourage you. You have no idea when I get that, like how much wind it puts back in my sails. And I'm like, I'm so thankful I get to preach and teach in a church, not just like where there's nobody else around, where I get to be blessed by the gifts in the church. You see how I need your gifts and we need one another's gifts. And when I get to encourage others, I know I love to do that because I know they need it as well. Next point. God gives spiritual gifts, by the way, and natural gifts, and both are needed in the church. Sometimes people get hung up on spiritual gifts and they just ignore the natural gifts. And I could take more time to show you in the scriptures where that natural gifts are also given by God and they're needed needed in the church. I'm not gonna spend too much time. I'll just tell you it this way. Some of you are athletic. You say, well, how can I use that? Trust me, God can use it in the church. Some of you are great with spreadsheets. Like, is that a gift? I'm like, in some ways, yeah, it really is. And by the way, we can use it in the church. Others of you are really good with technology. Is that a spiritual gift? Well, maybe it's not a spiritual gift, but it's a natural gift. And God gave it to you, and he wants you to use it in the church. He gives the church all the gifts it needs to be a healthy and strong body. And if the church needs more gifts or different gifts, he brings other people into the church with those gifts. 
The issue is, will the people in the church connect with one another? Will the people in their church decide to meet with one another and use their gifts to serve one another? Or will they just stay in isolated little relationships with themselves? Just Jesus and I and not caring about others. That's the issue. And this brings us to our third point. So number one, we've been connected to a body, not just Christ. Number two, we've been gifted to serve others in the body. And number three, God wants us to fulfill the one another commands in our local church. About a year and a half ago, I gave a message. Uh, I really thought it was a really important message, at least for me. I don't know if you guys liked it or not. It was called Virtual Church, Why God Does Not Want Us Staying Home. And the whole message was about why God wants you in a physical church where you have relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ, not staying at home watching online. And one of the points I made at that time was if we are just doing virtual church, there is almost no way we can do the one another commands of Scripture. The Bible has all these commands about things we are to do for one another and with one another as Christian brothers and sisters in the local church. And you can't do that in the virtual church. Let me show you what some of these look like. For instance, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Well, if you're just watching online, who are you going to connect with? Who are you going to confess your sins to? If you're coming to Crosswinds, but you're not developing like real relationships with anyone else in Crosswinds, you're just coming and then you leave as soon as we can say amen, who are you going to confess your sins to if you don't have a relationship with other people? One of my sons, he goes to a really large church in Ames, and we were talking last week about what church was like. And he said, Dad, it was a good service, but I'll tell you the best part, as soon as the service was over with, I got out of there as fast as I could, got in my car, and we beat the traffic jam at the exit. Exit. I'm like, no! No, no, don't rush out of church. You need to build relationships with other people in the church. Stay, talk to people, meet people, actually want to spend time with people. How could you ever get to the point of confessing your sins and having somebody pray with you and pray for you if you don't talk to anyone? And then I added, besides, if you stay long enough, trust me, there will not be a traffic jam at the exit. <laughs> Another point. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Well, if you watch just online, who are you going to encourage? Who's the one another in your local church that you actually know? That you can get behind them when they're going through times of difficulty and depression. There is nobody. Here's another one. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. As you heard earlier, Bruce Hansen uh, passed away in a snowmobile accident this week. Bruce usually sits right about there, right about where you're at, Peyton, with his wife, Deb. And... Um, it's tragic. And the snowmobile rolled over. He was crushed. And I met with Deb yesterday and was planning the funeral. And she was talking about, I'm so thankful I have such a good family. And then she also added, and a good church family who are calling, who are reaching out, who are caring. And it's like she said, I couldn't imagine somebody having to go through this kind of pain all alone. Boy, it's important to be part of a real, physical, local church family so you can bear one another's burdens. Now I'm going to push it. I'm going to make some of you uncomfortable. I've often talked about you need to be in a life group. Please get in a life group. Because in a life group, you know each other so much deeper than you ever will as a large group in this building. Now, I don't care if your life group meets every week. I know some life groups meet every week, right, Dan? Yours is every week. My life group meets every other week because we're sort of busy. Maybe your life group just meets once a month. I don't care. Get involved in one. 
where you were actually talking about real problems in life and a small group of people praying with you over your kids, praying with you over the things in your job, praying with you over those real pains and sufferings in your life. I'm gonna tell you that by far, most of the people that contacted me this week trying to reach out to Deb and try and help her were all the people in her life group because they know her, they love her, they care for her. Do not deny that of yourself. If we're gonna bear one another's burdens, it's not just be part of the church, but be part of a life group in the church. I'll give you another one. Pray for one another. As Christians, we learned this last week. We are committed to constantly praying for others. Like we prayed for you, Peyton, this morning, right? And I think about praying for one another. I don't just think about praying for you, but what comes to mind is, Nikki, where are you? There you are. What comes to mind is when you came down with COVID and you were pregnant with, with Yennefer. And it became really serious. Some of you will know that they had her in Sioux Falls. They're very concerned she can't get enough oxygen. The entire church family stepped forward. Everybody in this church was constantly praying for her. Imagine if you didn't have a church family. Imagine if you're going through something like that and you're isolated. You were all alone. Oh, I just watch online. <laughs> Who's going to bear one another's burdens? How can you pray for one another unless you're committed and connected to a local church? Here's another one. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. By the way, this doesn't mean just anybody off the street. It's to one another. Hospitality to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know what our, our life group does? Our life group, you know, we thought we could meet at the church, but we decided we're going to meet in homes. We're just going to move from one home to the next home. Number one, we always get home cooking. Number two, there's much greater connection when people open homes and much greater bond when people open homes. And the Bible tells us to do that. And here's another one for us. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. This is the simple command that as Christians, we are to be about loving one another. That's the relational warmth. And as I said earlier, when people come into this church and they see the genuine love, the genuine care that we have for one another in the church, in a very cold world, they're naturally drawn. Drawn to the place of warmth when all of a sudden they got a little taste of what it's like in heaven here on earth in a physical, local church family. So folks, we are built for others. We're connected not to Christ, but we're connected to the church. We're gifted for others, and we need to use our gifts, and other people need to receive our gifts. And we're commanded to use those things in all these one another commands that could not take place virtually, virtually online, but only physically, tangibly in a local church where we're connected to one another. This brings us to my second point, loving the church. Why should we love the church? I'm gonna go through these rather quickly, but we should love the local church. Here's why. Number one, the church is the only thing Jesus promised to build and to bless. Did you realize that? Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus did not promise he's going to build an orphanage. He did not promise he's going to build a, a college. He did not promise he would build a homeless shelter. Not that those are bad things. They are good things. But the only thing that Jesus promises to build is his church. So we should take the local church pretty seriously since Jesus promises to get behind what's going on here because he's promised to build it. Secondly, flip over here. The church is going to win in the end. And it's the same verse. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, Jesus guarantees in the end the church will win. There's a lot of things that you can give your life to, but not many things actually win. I mean, wouldn't it be great to be part of Apple in the early days? <laughs> That's a winning team. 
be part of Tesla in the early days or Google in the early days. Those are winning teams. But if you study businesses, you know that most businesses fail. They don't succeed. Most people lose the capital they put into their startups. They don't win. A lot of things end up as failures. But I can tell you that any time you invest in the church, the local church, you are investing in a guaranteed winner. Because Jesus has promised, I am behind a church's mission. I will build my church. The church is my chosen select vehicle on earth. I'm behind it. So go ahead and join me with it. Always invest in a winner. Number three, the church is God's most precious possession on earth, which is another reason to love it. We get that from Acts 20 verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. And notice this, which he obtained with his own blood. Think of the incredible cost that Jesus paid to redeem us and knit us together as the church. His own blood, the blood of the Son of God. The church is the most precious possession of God here on earth. So anybody who chooses to diminish the church, make light of the church, or think the church really isn't that important is just really off base. This is precious. Number four, the church is the best place of worship. Philippians 3.3, who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus. Now, we can worship personally. We can worship privately. In fact, if you have Apple Music or something like that, you know you can get some amazing worship music coming out of Nashville, coming out of Australia. You guys know the stuff I'm talking about. Just great stuff. You can put your ear pods in and you can sing as loud as you want as long as nobody hears you. But I'm going to tell you that no matter how good that worship music is that you download and you play by yourself, it's not nearly as good as the worship music that takes place in a physical, local church. And that is not because the band on stage is 10 times better. It is because you are surrounded by your brothers and sisters in Jesus who are singing with you, who are worshiping Jesus with you, and you are being enveloped and wrapped around in joint praise of God. God's people. And as I said earlier, remember, God dwells among his people in a special way when they assemble, when they assemble to worship him. And you cannot get that when you're isolated, alone, just listening to your AirPods. It's true. It's one reason why we should love the church. Last one I'll point out for you is this. The church matures us in Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25, which is probably the keynote verse for this whole subject here. It says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the writer of Hebrews says, we must try to stir one another up to love and good works, encourage one another to more love and to more good works. How do we do that? By not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. When we get together as a physical local church here at Crosswinds, we encourage one another to greater levels of love in Christ and to greater good works in Christ that we will not do if we are isolated and alone. I was debating if I would share this illustration, but I'll, I'll throw it out there anyway. Uh, a few years ago, I had some people that stopped attending Crosswinds. And, you know, the pastor has that job. You have to make that phone call. You know? You're like, hey, I haven't seen you. How are things going? Cheers, you know. And I make the phone call and it's like, hey, where are you going to church? Oh, well, we really like Rick Warren. We've chosen that we're just going to watch Rick Warren online. Like, ah, 
Rick Warren's a pretty good guy. Super gifted communicator. Uh, sorry, I'm not Rick Warren. I'm just your average, ordinary pastor in a small town church in Iowa. But the truth is, I guarantee you, you're going to grow more by attending this physical church than you will by listening to Rick Warren on live stream. Because by attending this physical church, you're going to be with your brothers and sisters in Christ who will stir you up to greater levels of love for Christ, who will encourage you for greater works for Christ, who will pray with you when you're going through difficult times, who will be an encouragement to you, who will love you in ways you cannot find when you're isolated alone in your living room by yourself. Even if you're watching a super gifted communicator online, you will grow more in Christ in the local church than that, which is one reason I encourage you to be here. So I've given you how we're built for others and why we must love the local church. Now I'm going to give you sort of the last point, which is really I'm going to go through rather quickly. It's sort of a summation of all we've said. If the church is such an important part thing to be a part of and for us to be connected to, and we should love this local church, my question is, why are you not a member of it? Many of you are members of it, but others of you are not members of it. I'm going to challenge you right now to be a member, and here's why. Number one, we are not saved to be alone. Remember that. We are saved into the church. Here's two verses. We are a stone in a building. We're described by Peter. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Number, or part B, we're a body part that is not designed to function alone. We covered that. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You see how we're connected there? Having, differed, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. See how we're to be connected together? Why wouldn't we join the church? Why wouldn't we be a member of a church? Number two, we are needed at Crosswinds and gifted by God to serve others at Crosswinds. We saw this earlier. So why wouldn't we want to become a member? Why wouldn't we want to use our gifts? Why wouldn't we get involved? We're built that way. We're gifted that way. So why wouldn't we want to become involved and do that? Number three, we're commanded to use our gifts to serve others at Crosswinds in those one another commands. Now, as I said earlier, some of you are members and you're faithful. You are always there in season and out of season, constantly building relationships with others, constantly serving others. But there are others. Some of you come to Crosswinds, but as soon as I say amen, you run out the door as fast as possible because you don't want to talk to other people. I don't know, maybe you have a good reason, maybe you don't, not, not my call. But we need to talk to one another. We need to build relationships with one another. Others of you stay and you build relationships and you serve a little bit here and you serve a little bit there, but you're holding off on full membership, holding off on full involvement. And I'm like, why? This is Christ's church. Why wouldn't you be 100% committed to Christ's church? This church, like the church, is a winner because Jesus said, I will build my church. Next point. The church is the only institution God promised to build and to bless. We saw that earlier. Number five, the church is, the most pre is God's most precious possession on earth. Remember, he redeemed it with his own blood. Number six, the church is the place where God uniquely dwells among his people. Why wouldn't you want to be a member of a place where God uniquely dwells among his people? Number seven, regularly attending and serving in the local church matures us in Christ. We saw that. You're going to mature in Christ far more when you're committed, connected, and serving in the local church than you will by listening to a podcast, by listening to a live stream. Number eight, choosing to not join and serve in the local church is what I call unnecessary disobedience. Someday we're all going to die. 
Someday we're going to stand in front of Jesus. And how is it going to go? Like, hey, I saved you into a body. I gave you spiritual and natural gifts that that body desperately needed. Why didn't you connect with it? Why didn't you use those gifts in the body? The body needed it. I put you there for a reason. Why? Why not become a member and become fully involved and connected and committed? This is what God would want us to do. And number nine, if Jesus is not ashamed to call us his, why are we ashamed to belong to those who are his? If Jesus really looked at us and he really knows us, he has plenty of things to be ashamed of. Plenty of reasons to not associate with us. Plenty of reasons to not be fully connected to us, but he hasn't chosen to do that. He has chosen to be 100% committed and connected to us. Why shouldn't we be committed and connected to those who are his? Now, if you are a member, I just want to thank you. Thank you for being faithfully involved, committed and connected, using your gifts. But if you're somebody who's a regular attender at Crosswinds, who is not a member, my challenge to you is become a member. Connect with your church family. Build relationships and use your gifts. That's what God would have you do. And you can see right here on the bottom, I even have down the details of how to sign up for the next membership class. But if you are a member and you're in Crosswinds, but you're not in a life group, that's my challenge for you, to get in a life group. Choose to get in a relationship of a smaller group of people that really know you and that really pray with you and that will really support you. And the details of how to do that are also right down here on the bottom of your outline. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you us to one another, connecting us into a body and gifting us to serve others in the body, building us and creating us to serve others in the body. Father, I know that when uh, Crosswinds Church is filled with members who are committed and connected and serving one another, that this place becomes incredibly relationally warm in a cold world. And that people can't stay away because they want to find the friendships. They want to experience the care that can only be found in your church, which is to be a little taste of relational heaven here on earth. May we be a church filled with people committed to using our gifts and serving and loving one another. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. A complete archive of sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thank you for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.